Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First. It's a podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It is a little bit like brainstorming a fanfiction. <laughs> I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tanner. So Tanner, are we doing something toy related? We are doing something toy related. Did, did you figure out my hint? Small soldiers? Indeed it is! <laughs> a very easy hint, because that's literally the film's tagline. Yeah, I googled that. Okay. I, yeah, I was going to ask, did, do you know a Small Soldiers, or do you I just... remember watching it at like, one of my cousin's places when I was a kid, and I think it's like been on YTV a couple times. Oh, probably. Yeah. Do you remember anything about it? Ugh... <laughs> Was it, I think it was a 90s movie, right? It was, the, I believe it was 97. I'm just pulling yeah. up the TV Tropes page to get all the relevant. 98. Yeah, because it had a very 90s feel to it. Um, from what I remember, uh, it's like you have this one group of toys that were created by a guy to be like educational toys. They're, yeah. they're alien looking, they're explorers and all that, but then the toy company's like, no, they'll make great villains for this uh, run of army, like, G.I. Joe knockoffs that we've got planned and we're gonna put a chip in them and that chip turns out to be super corrupted and made them evil. Uh, oh, oh no, you, you've almost got it. <laughs> but let me, let me do some elaborating. So the movie begins in the late 90s. And you know what, you know what wasn't around anymore in the late 90s? What? You know, you know, Lindsay, it's all up your alley. Wasn't around in the late 90s? Um, I'm sorry, no. You're right, it was the Cold War. Oh! The Cold War ended, and everyone was real bummed about that. <laughs> so, let me uh, sidebar that uh, that take. Was it the Cold War? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right, it was the Cold War! <laughs> so the Cold War ends, and all the weapons manufacturers are really bummed, and one of them, Global Tech, which is not an ominous name at all, they decide <laughs> that their best use of funding now would be to buy a toy company, and then they lay off everyone who works for the toy company, except for these two guys who were, like, about to pitch their last two ideas that day. And so, like, the businessman, ominous businessman, Mr. Businessman, mm -hmm. I don't know his name, he, he storms in and he's like, Alright, well, let, me, let me see the toy ideas, what have you got? And so, yeah, you're right. There is the one guy has these, like, edutainment toys called the Gorgonites, where they interact with the children and they learn about the world and, like, about the Earth and stuff, and they're trying to reach their homeland of Gorgon. And they're all these really weird, funky-looking people. And then the other guy is like, you know what kids love? Army toys. So let's make the most army, the most fucking America-tastic army toys we can. The Commando <laughs> Elite. I'm Nate with Major Chip Hazard and Nick Nitro and Were they designed Link by Rob Liefeld? Oh, super. <laughs> then made entirely made entirely out of pectoral muscles. <laughs> oh, Rob. Um, and so the You fifteen year old boy in an in an adult man's body? No, they're adult men in adult men's bodies. Just Tiny. I'm talking about Rob Liefeld, though. Oh, yes. 
So the main, like the, the Mr. Mr. Businessman, it does sound like something out of Snowman when I say that. <laughs> you could have saved her, Mr. Businessman. You had all the information. <laughs> Mr. Businessman is like, these two ideas are terrible, but if we mash them together, then maybe they'll make me money. But I want you to make these the most realistic toys possible. I want the... T he literally says, when the kids play with these toys, I want them to play back. <laughs> oh my god. And so the guy who made the Commando Elite soldier toys, he's like, what is the best way for me to make the most advanced toys? I know. I'll check the uh, off-sale branches of the company that we're now a part of to see if they have any really great AI chips. And he finds these, like, discarded nuclear munitions chips. Because of course he does. And we later find out that they were on off-sale not because they were dangerous, but because they were too vulnerable to EMPs. <laughs> uh, great. And, but, like... Like, this is, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit in the timeline, but this is to give the most basic view. The, when they go talk to the guy who created the chips, he says, the programming works great because they just make the, the chips allow the already programmed in stuff to just be advanced to an actual intelligence level. Which means that if you put those chips in toys and one side is designed to be very peaceful and all learning and pacifist and they hide from danger, and the other toy is designed to commit a genocide against the first toys... You are going to have issues. Yeah. So what we have here is a failure to communicate. No. <laughs> so what we end up getting is the toys, a shipment of them ends up in this small town because a kid buys some for his dad's toy shop because he it's going out of business because his dad doesn't sell war toys. And they're a really big sell, and then they all come to life, and the Gorgonites end up aligning with the little kid named Alan. And then the commando elite end up trying to take them down. And then when that fails, they try and like hold the neighboring family hostage because their teenage daughter is young. Shit, what was her name? Mary Jane Watson. Uh, Kristen Dunst. Thank you. My mind was racing through every single other Kristen except for Dunst. <laughs> and. Basically, it turns into the these two families. I mean, for the most part, it's just Alan and... Uh, what was his love interest's name? Uh, Christy. Yeah. It, the, the bulk of the movie is Alan and Christy trying to deal with the toys on their own. And then by the final act, all the rest of their families get involved too, along with the two toy creators. And there's a whole brawl. And they do play Spice Girls as psychological warfare. <laughs> Um, there is an oh army God. of knockoff Franken-Barbies. Of course. Why is that an of course? That's not a route you expect the movie to go. No, no, it is. There, there has to be some sort of shout-out to the toy that is Barbie. In this movie, they're Gwendy. Oh. And the when one of the commando elites dies, the rest of the crew, they take the chip out of his head and they're able to reverse engineer it and make a bunch more and then they like hook them all up to the Gwendy dolls and then the Gwendy dolls become reinforcements to the commando elite. Oh my god. But they all have like warped faces and like knives taped to their arms and like Natalie Dorner half buzz cuts. 
Um, and in the end, there's an EMP, and the commando leader wiped out, but the Gorgonites survive, and then the Gorgonites get to go on an adventure to find their homeland of Gorgon, and Alan's like, but it doesn't exist, because you're just toys, and Archer, the leader of the Gorgonites, hi, hello, I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites, uh, <laughs> and he's like, Alan, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there, and then they, they sail away on a boat, and it's really cute. Yay! Um, so a few other behind-the-scenes facts about this movie. This was created by Joe Dante, or directed by Joe Dante, who also directed the Gremlins films. Let me okay. tell you something about the Gremlins films. I have sure. never seen them. Yeah, I've never seen a full one. So, I don't know, but apparently this was supposed to be, like, a spiritual successor to them. And then at the last minute, the studio was like, no, this is too mature. You, yeah, I've got to make it more child-friendly, because we want to make toy sales off of it. Okay. And so he had to cut a bunch of stuff, and so then it ended up getting critically ravaged because its tone seemed all over the place, which I think they were just being nitpicky. I think it has is a very good movie with a good tone. <laughs> um, it did make a decent amount of money, though, on account of it was the last movie, one of the last movies Phil Hartman was in before his murder. Oh. So a lot of people just went to see it to see him. Okay. Um... And, of course, the number one fan of Small Soldiers is my mother. And it's her birthday on the day that this episode comes out. So, happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday! And so, that's why today we are creating, or I am creating, we together, led by me. Yes. Today is a good day to do what must be done by me. I am all over the place today. (laughs) (laughs) But on this day, on the 3rd of February, we are creating Small Soldiers 2. Preferably with as much of the original cast as we can, because the Commando Elite were all voiced by numerous stars of the Dirty Dozen. Ooh. And yeah. then a majority of the Gorgonites are voiced by members of This Is Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh my god. So, and, and character wise, the Commando Elite, I can't, they all have different designs, but I wouldn't be able to name all of them because they're boring. They're soldier toys. Yeah. I mean, at least. At least G.I. Joe, if I was even interested in G.I. Joe, I'd probably be able to name some characters because I know that there's at least, they have different models and like both sides have ninjas and there's Cobra Commander has the the face. Yeah. The Gorgonites though all have unique designs because you've got Archer who is this like lion man type guy with like this crossbow attached to his arm that he, like, fires grappling hooks from. Cool. And and he speaks in a very deep and soothing voice. And, hello, I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites. Who are you? We, we are Gorgonites. We are a peaceful people. We do not fight. We just hide. <laughs> and he likes cats. Aww. There is a scene where he activates inside Alan's home, and the first thing he comes across is the kitty, and the kitty just starts licking him, and he's like, ho-ho, yes, ho-ho-ho. <laughs> <laughs> um, followed immediately after by, like, a scene of him reading all of Encarta, because this was the 90s. Okay. Did you ever have Encarta? No. Oh, do you know what Encarta is? No, I don't. Okay, okay. Encarta was basically a... Encyclopedia program 
for your computers that you could get if you didn't want to lug around whole dictionaries? Oh, wait, maybe I did have something like that. It was before Wikipedia. Yeah. And I remember thinking my dad was an absolute nut for thinking it was more important than me just being able to Google stuff. Because <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I can Google stuff and find out so much information. The, in, this Encarta, like, the most recent thing it has is an article on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, it was all historical stuff. Yeah, I... It might have been Encarta, it might have been some other program we had, but we had an encyclopedia program, and I remember as a little kid, because I am that nerd from that early... From birth. <laughs> yeah, basic. Look, my dad had me watching Jeopardy when I was like two. <laughs> no, earlier than that, as soon as I could sit up on my own. <laughs> and you just absorbed everything through osmosis. But basically, like, I was reading Encarta articles, or at least that encyclopedia program articles, just for fun when I was a kid. So they also had like a big music area and you could like listen to little sound clips of the various instruments. Oh yeah. And then there was like a game, at least in mine, there was a game where they'd play instruments and you had to match which instrument it was and then where it came from. Oh, cool. So yeah, in Carta, there's a flashback for all you 90s kids. 90s, 2000s kids. Woo! Oh, probably just 90s. I think it was dead by the 2000s because Wikipedia devoured everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Early 2000s. That's a good thing. Yeah, early 2000s before we managed to get, like, the wireless stuff, like, back when we were still stuck on dial-up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have you ever watched, uh, like, old reruns of uh, Stargate SG-1? I've never seen a Stargate, except the movie. Okay, so... Add that to your list! (laughs) Yeah. Stargate SG-1, back in the very early days, at the end of the episode, like, after they had done the credits, the end credits, they would have, like, this card for you to... to encourage you to go to their uh, fan site, but it came up... came with the dial-up tone. (laughs) 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 It was the most jarring thing out there. Because, I don't know, maybe they could have used, like, the sound of the uh, iris, you know, actually whirling into place and all that to create the wormhole. But no, no, they had to go with the dial-up tone. (laughs) (laughs) It was so wild back in the 90s where everything was like, please go to our website. (laughs) Even if if you choose to follow the path that I did and watch all 400 plus episodes of Degrassi The Next Generation over the span of a year... (laughs) you will notice that like for the first five seasons the title screen always comes with a little bit saying visit (laughs) degrassi.ca that's great read the character blogs (laughs) oh yeah remember when they were trying to put when they were pushing like the early form of blogging oh yeah well the thing is Degrassi, it wasn't even, or Degrassi Next Generation was not necessarily going to be Degrassi until, like, the last few minutes of production. (laughs) Originally, it was just going to, it was going to be a show about a high-tech middle school. Yeah. And in the year 2001, high-tech just meant they had a computer lab. Yeah. And they had, uh, Macs. Yep. I don't even, uh, there probably were Macs. Yeah. I remember when I was 
that age, and most of my schools had PCs with Word, which meant it had the spell check. And yeah. for whatever reason, the Macs, like when I started going to a school that had Macs, and they did not have spell check in their word processor, so I kept on losing marks because none of my sentences were capitalized. Oh. Because <laughs> I relied on the autocorrect to just do that for me. Oh, no. But anyways. Anyway, small soldier two. Small soldiers. We wait, okay, I told you about Archer. What other Gorgonites are there? Then there's Oculus. Oculus does not have a voice. Oculus does not have a mouth. Oculus is an eyeball with three legs that somehow manages to be cute. Oh. It just okay. squeaks. It has suction cup feet. <laughs> um, then there's Slamfist, who he's like a big green hunchback dude, and one of his hands is a boulder. Mm-hmm. And, and he talks like this, hi, I'm Slamfist. <laughs> In the end, I do do a shout out in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Sanctuary, sanctuary. Oh, I, I, I. Um, let's see, voice. Then we have, in, the we have Insaniac. Haddingest. <laughs> Christopher Guest, who voiced uh, Slamfist, is a lord. Really? Like an actual lord. He holds a hereditary British British peerage as the fifth Baron Hatting guest, and was publicly and has publicly expressed a desire to see the House of Lords reform as a democratically elected chamber. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fun fact for you. Yeah. How is how has he never done a mockumentary about someone trying to do that? Or is that too close to home? <laughs> Maybe that is too close to home. <laughs> I would also Fucking... like to see a mockumentary about an aging rock star who happens to inherit a peerage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, movies about folk bands and dog shows and community theater and whatnot... They're fine, you can make fun of those. But Christopher Guest's attempt to reinstate his royal lineage. <laughs> that's some serious business. <laughs> okay, let's get back to let's get back to small soldiers the then. Small soldiers. Alright. So we've gone through uh, Archer, Ocula, and Slamfist. Then there's Insaniac, who is this purple like, generic purple barbarian type guy. He's got these big fangs and, like, like teeth necklaces. And his whole shtick is that he spins around really fast and he talks really fast. Okay. He's a goober. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, Punch It and Scratch It. And Punch It is this, like, big Brontotherium purple guy. He's got, like... The rhino horn that splits partway down, so it's kind of Y-shaped. Okay. And then we have Scratchit, who's the only female Gorgonite. And she's basically this little orange frog thing. And her thing is that she will grab on to punch its horn and, like, pull herself back and then slingshot forward to slam into people. Okay. But she does not actually do much. I mean, like, the most... Notable thing she does, other than slingshotting herself, is she spends some time in a fish tank, swimming with fish. Huh. Um, 
And then there's Troglacon, but Troglacon got dismantled by the Commando Elites when they first activate, so they... <laughs> we fixed him! We tried to fix him. <laughs> and he's basically smashed together with a whole bunch of other toy parts and someone's radio. And so, like, he, he has, like, a foot where his hand should be and, like, random electronics sticking out and, like... His other arm is just replaced with a single baseball bat that just spins around. Okay. And so he gets renamed Freakenstein. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you, when you bought the small soldiers toys, you couldn't get any Troglacon toys. Only Freakenstein was available. <laughs> so, with small soldiers too, mm-hmm. we, oh yeah. Here's the other thing, is that when Small Soldiers 1 ends, like after the EMP goes off and everything, and Mr. Businessman shows up in a fleet of helicopters to see just what the hell went down, he oh. proceeds to pay off every single person involved, because okay. he's that rich. <laughs> he, of course he is. And then his assistant is like, so we're going to completely sweep this under the rug, right? And he's like, yes, but also, let's take these Commando Elite... Uh, re- slam some more zeros onto the price tag and sell them to the troops trying to take down the cartels in South America. Okay! So that is something that completely flew over my head when I was a young and watching this movie. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, Wow! That's a choice! <laughs> They're going to take Pablo! Yeah! That's... what? Well, uh, that's a decision. That's... <laughs> A lot of concerns that you can bring up about that. <laughs> yeah. So like, I know it was a thing back in the nineties. Actually, yeah, uh, Pablo would have been dead by then. So you have the rise of El Chapo. I don't know enough about South American drug cartels stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought a book called The Queen of the South, and it's kind of a fictional account about one woman's rise to becoming like one of the big kingpins or queenpins of the south american drug uh trade especially like getting drugs over into europe and yeah it's hmm. pretty good i i want to say good for her but i feel like she hurt a lot of people oh yeah she did so. you don't get to the top without a fuck ton of bodies tanner yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so note um or maybe not because this could be an environmental disaster um (laughs) pablo escobar when he was alive imported a bunch of hippos and now they kind of roam freely throughout his estates that might have gone into the river system in medellin oh great yeah okay so return them to africa because they probably picked up parasites that are native to south america so yeah now are the hippos a better or worse situation than rabbits in australia Probably a better situation right now until, like, they actually start really breeding. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing we controlled the population of Canadian house hippos here. Otherwise, we <laughs> oh, might have a serious yes, outbreak. Yes. But they do have actual natural predators here, so... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, look up the Canadian house hippo. <laughs> but r- remember, don't believe everything you see. <laughs> Uh, we say as we gaslight children (laughs) Um, yes I totally left out peanut butter for our house hippo (laughs) yes now I'm hungry 
but yeah, so, um, what were we? Right, okay, so they made, so, um, sending Eagle Land malfunctioning AI toy robots to fight drug cartels in South America, I don't think I'm off base to say that's maybe a bad take. Yeah, yeah. But like, that is somewhere that we can jump off of. We can I can't actually use that. No, normally when presented with a plot point like this, I would just retcon it and say, no, that didn't happen. But we can't actually work that in while also saying, hey, don't. But because we can just say, they tried to deploy the commando elite but it went wrong, because all the Commando Elite care about is killing the Gorgonites, and also anyone who stood in our way. So we can just say that they tried to kill the very troops they were supposed to be backing up, they got EMP'd again, and they were immediately put back into storage, because that was a terrible plan. Yes. And so then we flash forward to the modern day, where Alan Abernathy and Christy Fimple, because who... Ah... Uh, who named these people? Christy is a fine name, but why would you keep the name Fimple? <sighs> Who gave them the last names? That's... I think it's because her dad was supposed to be, like, the nerd. Oh, yeah, and you're supposed to give the nerd the obvious terrible last name. Yeah. What was... Uh, what was the name in... Minkus in Boy Meets World. Yeah, Minkus. And then in Girl Meets World, we met his son, Farkle. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, in reality, half of the nerds at your school are probably named Mike. Or just through the law of averages, at our school they were probably named Jordan. Or Josh. Or Josh, yes, because all the mothers, all the prospective mothers <laughs> it, from like 92 to 95, they all had a meeting in Regina and they said, we need to make sure that as many of our kids are named Jordan or Josh. Uh, yeah, there's a reason why our friend uh, Bum does not go by his English name, Joshua, but his Korean name. Bum. Because, yeah, Bum, because there were so many Joshes at the school at the time. Yeah. And honestly, like, y y you declared that you were going to go by Bum. And it's, like, it's a power move enough that no one even bothers making jokes because they assume they've all been made. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the Jordan side of things, when I was in grade 10 at Cow High, uh, and High School in British Columbia, there were three Jordans in my grade. One was a girl, two were guys, and a girl Jordan and one of the guy Jordans... No, both of the guy Jordans dated the girl Jordan. <laughs> Uh, fun times. And then also in Calgary, when I was in band, there were three Peter S's on percussion. Oh my god! So that was a struggle. Yes! Fortunately, they all... Were you ever in middle school or high school band? No. Okay, so you weren't exposed to the concept that all percussion boys are basically the same... <laughs> And if there are multiple percussion boys in the same band, they're basically going to be a hive mind. So in the end, having three Peter S's actually worked out for the better after a while. <laughs> hey, remember when we were talking about small soldiers? Yeah! 
Remember when all the guys were named Jason and the girls were named Brittany? <laughs> oh, so 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back on topic. Yes. Small soldiers, too. <laughs> so. <laughs> we're in the modern day. We have, like, a quick prologue where they talk about the commando elite were shoved into storage because they're bad. Yeah. And then we get at, like, the remnants of some toy company. Like, they get bought up by another amalgam. It's one of those situations that I feel happens a lot where these IPs, like, these intellectual properties just get passed around, like, back and forth through a bunch of different companies and like someone will buy it and they say we're gonna do a reboot and then nothing comes of it because they can't get investors it like goes back to the original owner and then they sell it to someone else and then it reverts again and it like, gets shuffled around through like buyouts and buy-ins and mergers and like yeah. separated and stuff it's yeah, all like um look at the history of comic book film rights prior oh, to disney yeah it's whew. and i'm sure toy rights are even a bigger thing oh yeah like, the entire toy, like, not even, like, a toy company, like, a toy store, like, Toys R Us, and that fiasco about who owns what. Yeah. So, eventually, the rights to the Commando Elites versus Gorgonites toy line would, sh like, show up on someone's desk, and they're like, oh, I think I can do a reboot of this. And for the purpose of my plot, they would completely discard the Commando Elite line, or mm -hmm. maybe there would even be a thing saying we don't have the rights to make more Commando Elites because something happened in South America. Yeah. <laughs> but we can make new Gorgonites. Yeah, with a comic book tie-in or something. or. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be, it, they'd be like brute force. Yeah. With like a comic book tie-in and everything. Uh, oh, someone... IDW. Fucking... I, if someone who works for IDW is listening, get someone to work on a... Small Soldiers, like, Revival. Or maybe, maybe I should write the Small Soldiers Revival. Yes! Yes! I'm just gonna show up at IDW's doorstop. Oh, they'll be like, D have you written anything before? Like, I've written some fucking fanfiction, and you're gonna publish it! It's solid gold! <laughs> but then we have to talk to Amlin. Don't care! Just sl slaps the top of this fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> Check out these ships! <laughs> um, so yeah, so they do a Small Soldiers reboot, and so they start creating the toys, and they like do remolds of some of the characters. I'm sure some of them fall by the wayside. Like, I feel like you couldn't name a toy Insaniac in this day and age. Yeah. He does not get a lot of focus. Like, the Archer is the main Gorgonite. Yeah. Of all of them, just like how Major Chip Hazard, just like mm -hmm. how Major Chip Hazard, the leader of the Commando Elite, is the main focus of the Commando Elite. Yeah. But, like, if you take a close look at Insaniac, you can probably pick apart several problematic elements of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they'd probably take him out, and they'd probably replace him with another girl character. Okay. And I haven't thought of what another Gorgonite could look like. I would have to rely on some other character designer to do that because they are fairly unique. There's not like a single through line that connects them all. Yeah. So you'd want something that's kind of out there mm -hmm. and you wouldn't want it to be like just generic. You couldn't do generic sexy female because that doesn't mesh with the aesthetic of the other Gorgonites. Yeah. But yeah, so they start like doing the new molds and making new toys. And at this same time, 
there just so happens to be someone who finds this like shipment of commando elites and not knowing any of their history they sell them off to like their friend in a toy star to make a quick buck and we see these pieces coming together like oh no this is going to start becoming a thing again or actually you know mm -hmm. what it'd probably make more sense if they like sold them to a toy collector okay yeah yeah because in the like in the universe there were press conferences and commercials released for all these toys and they were big sellers like they were meant to be the big holiday seller so there are definitely people who know of the commando elite before they all got recalled and i'm sure there are people who like oh i'm collecting rare toys oh you found this like crate full of commando elite toys that are like mint condition in packaging and it for some reason shipped from venezuela i'm not gonna question that <laughs> <laughs> and and while this is happening as well, the Gorgonites end up resurfacing in a new neighborhood, which just so happens to be wherever Alan and Christy are now living. Yay! Now, Alan and Christy got together at the end of Small Soldiers, yeah. but I actually think it would be more interesting if they were not together in this movie, but they still had kids, and just like, they were both single parents yeah. who lost track of each other, and now they've like, they found their way back to each other, but they weren't planning on it. It's like they yeah. they random encounter at a PTA meeting or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. They were at some school function, like a bake sale or something. Yeah. And their kids, either their kids can like have an attraction to each other or they just loathe each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what if, what if one of their kids was bullying the other kid and they have to get called in for the parent teacher conference? Ooh. So... All this stuff is happening in this one town or city. And basically, the the crooks of the plot will occur when, for whatever reason, either the toy collector isn't paying attention or... Oh, no, okay. See, I was trying to brainstorm bits and pieces. But now it's all coming together in my mind. Yeah. The toy collector, he tries to activate the commando elites, and they end up all activating, and they're like... Yo, what's up? Well, they don't talk like that, but like, hello, we're the Commando Elites, and Ten Hut, we're gonna go commit a murder on all the Gorgonites. And the Collector's like, oh, that's so cool, I wish I had a shipment of Gorgonites. And <laughs> then they, like, find out about the new Gorgonites, and the Commander Elite are like, where are they? And he's like, oh, they're not out yet. I'm like, well, we're gonna go destroy them! <laughs> and then while they're, like, on their rampage to try and destroy an entire toy factory, these little action figures... Mm -hmm. They also managed to, like, Chip Hazard spots the uh, Alan and Christy, and through whatever, like, base programming remembers them from the version of himself that was destroyed in the first movie. Okay. And so the Commander Elites decide to change, and like, oh, these are uh, allies of the Gorgonites, we need to take them down before they can call in reinforcements. And so some go to the factory, some go to the school, and it becomes basically a diehard kind of movie, where a bunch of students, including the two kids, are trapped inside the school and being tormented by the commando elites. And they okay. have to, like, run from them and, like, hide and try and take them out one by one. Because even though they're tiny toys, they're crafty buggers. And yeah. always underestimated because they're toys. Yeah. They do make, like, a whole bunch of war vehicles out of power tools in the first movie. Yeah, I remember that. Like, the, the go-kart that launched buzzsaws. Yeah. Or the flaming tennis ball trebuchet. <laughs> but yeah, and so 
they all like stuff starts converging on the school, and then the when the Gorgonites show up, and the Gorgonites would probably show up near the beginning of the movie and like end up tracking down Alan, and Alan's like, oh shit, this is happening again. Let's just chill. Maybe like the Gorgonite showing up does not necessarily mean the Commander Elite will show back up again. Oh no, they did. <laughs> So Alan has to take the the Gorgonites to the school along with, and Christy joins them too because her kids in there, and also Alan. I still love you. <laughs> um, and they have a fight at the school, and then that'd be like the Act Two climax, and the Act Three climax would be when the other Commando Elite return from the Toy Factory, mm-hmm. or either that, or they head to the Toy Factory to try and stop the Commando Elite from causing a whole lot of havoc there. Yeah. And they get there, and they end up meeting the new Gorgonites. Mm-hmm. And so that would be interesting, because it'd be like... The Commando Elite ended up... In the first movie, they got a whole shipment of other Commando Elite, and so there were multiple versions of the same characters mm-hmm. alongside all of those Gwendy Hivemind terrors. Okay. The Gorgonites, though, there is only ever one of each of them in the movie. Yeah. So the Gorgonites have never had to confront the concept of, oh, here's another archer. And not only that, here's, like, the cool new archer. Because memories get erased and they get replaced by a newer, cooler version of me. Sorry, yeah. I just had to throw that line in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other problem would be, like, the, Gar- the Gorgonites were all very peaceful and pacifistic in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And they did end up fighting at the end, but it was only to defend their friends and each other. Yeah. Um, they were programmed to lose, and so they never bothered fighting. And then Archer's like, Gorgonites, if we fight and we try to win, then we will overcome our programming, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so they do a fight, and then in the end, they end up hiding underneath a satellite dish, but that ends up shielding them from the, the EMP at the end that fries all the commando elites. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's such, and it's such a good scene that still warms my heart whenever I think of it, because Aww. Alan picks up Archer and he's like, "Archer, are you still there? Halt! Who goes there?" And he's like, "I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites. I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites." And Alan's like, "Oh no, you guys got fried, just like the Commando Elite did." And then Archer just stops and he's like, "The Commando Elite are dead," and he spins around. Mm-hmm. Gorgonites, we won! And they all stand up like, "Oh my God, really? We won!" What? <laughs> um, and that just goes to show, kids, that if you try your hardest, you too can cause an EMP that blacks out an entire neighborhood and destroys an army of jingoistic plastic G.I. Joe knockoffs. Yay! Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> anyway, so the point I'm trying to get with the new, the new Gorgonites, the shiny new Gorgonites is that these do not have the pacifism programmed into, because these were not made to be edutainment toys. They were made to be action toys, and so they're all, they're all action heroes, and they're willing, because they're, they're ready, and they're willing, and they're prepared to fight. Why do I keep putting in all these random-ass lines? <laughs> because you were you, Tanner. This episode has enough shout-outs that it needs its own TV shows page. Just not yes. the podcast, just this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyways and so the gorgon 
the old Gorgonites are kind of put off by these new Gorgonites. who are like, yeah, let's go. Let's fight the Commando Elite. Radical. They wouldn't say radical. I don't know how to do the 2010s equivalent. Oh, God, no. This would be the 2020s equivalent of radical. Oh. oh. We are entering a whole new decade of radical. Oh, man. Yeah, I forgot. We're heading for a new Roaring t- 20s. Woo! Woo! <laughs> um, because like even the small soldiers, it was made in the late '90s, but they have a, the toys themselves have a very '80s vibe to them. Yeah, because there's not a single skateboard in sight. <laughs> so actually, no, yeah, maybe the new small soldiers are totally radical. Maybe the the woman who tries to reboot them, she like she only does cursory research, and so she's like no edutainment, no pacifism, and. Um, we're remo- we've removed the commando elites, and she doesn't even look into their personalities, so she just assumes, well, it was 90s, so they must have had 90s personalities. She <laughs> might know a little bit about, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so... Yes, she just assumes that there were this, like, a Ninja Turtles knockoff. Yeah, so then Archer would be more like Leonardo, and... Yeah, Archer would be Leo, um... Slamfist would be Mikey. Yeah. Uh, punch it and scratch it would probably be Raph. Um, the Troglacon would be, oh yeah, so we would actually see original Troglacon. He could, okay. but he could be the Donatello. Yeah. And so then new Troglacon can be, can be like looking at Freakenstein like, oh well, look at all the sweet tech that's built inside you. And Freakenstein is like, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> um, and then... The, the new female that replaced Insaniac can be like, oh, would she be Venus? A better Venus. A better Venus. Uh, a female turtle could have worked if, you know... You know it could have worked if they weren't all horny for their adoptive sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... It's Gorgonites, the next mutation. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so they don't know how to react to that, and so they do have to have a moment where, like, try and teach the new Gorgonites, like, honor and not solving all your problems with fighting, but then at the end, we have, we have the small soldiers equivalent to the endgame of an Alien vs. Predator movie, (laughs) where we find out that one of the new Archer models has been retrofitted and, like, installed with Chip Hazard's, like, brain chip or whatever. Yeah. And so now we have Dark Archer. (laughs) Or Elite Archer, or whatever you want to call it. Like, the final battle is Archer fighting Elite Archer. Yes. Or Dark Archer, or Hazard Archer. (laughs) I I like that. He fights Hazard Archer, and he wins... Yes. But maybe he's, like, immortally wounded. Ooh. As much as you can be when you're a toy. Yeah. And, like, we have, we'll have we have a fake-out where we think Archer meets his end, and then, like, at the end we find out that, like, the toy collector trying to... The toy collector guy trying to make up for releasing the Commando Elite again, he's, like, repaired Archer with other bits and pieces and, like, helped remold him. And he also, like, did some touch-ups on the other Gorgonites... So, like, to get rid of the plastic aging stuff that happens to, like, all those Transformers toys. Okay. There's, like, 
If you ever go to the TF wiki, they have several pages on the various ways that Transformers to toys can break down over time. Oh, okay. It's like certain certain toys that have gold paint, basically they're just dust now. Because oh, of some okay. weird way that it oxidizes. Yeah, that I should look into that because, you know, preservation and all that. Yeah. Yeah. See how like uh, toy museums uh, handle all that. Mm -hmm. That would be a cool thing to study. Says the person who also wrote like a research paper on how to preserve trading cards. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically Magic the Gathering because that has the most information about it out there. Well, yeah, because they like I think they were around the longest. And yeah, they they, the they basically cards. originated the trading card game. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time me and my parents were just channel flipping and we came across like the back half of Storage Wars. <laughs> oh my God. But but the people, like one of the people they were following in that episode, in their locker was a binder full of magic cards. Yeah. And so they're like, they don't know anything about magic, but they understand the concept of car certain cards being rare and worth a lot of money. Yeah. And so they head down to a comic convention that just so happens to be happening at the same time. How convenient. So I don't know whether one thing was seated or another, but it definitely... I also don't know how they film because the convention could have happened like two months after they yeah. got the storage locker. Yeah, who That knows? being said, if, if you play your cards right in America, there's probably a comic convention happening every weekend. Yeah. That's how all the pa former Power Rangers make their money. <laughs> Anyways, they, they go to a comic convention and they go to a guy who's like dealing in like old used cards and rare cards and they have the buyer like, is there anything interesting in here? And he's flipping through and he's like, well, there's some older cards in here, but there's nothing really spectacular in here. There's nothing important. And then he gets to the last page and it's like the Power 7 cards that are the oh. most rare and expensive cards in all of Magic. Okay. And the guy in the show and me are both like, Holy shit, this is literally the mother load. <laughs> and I have to ex like exp give my parents a brief rundown of the rules of magic to explain to them why these cards are so rare and powerful. <laughs> That's great. Having to explain to parents very nerdy niche stuff. They're pretty good at it now, or at least my mom is. That's good. Like, she, she was looking, she was asking me about my the schedule coming up, and, like, it wasn't for work. It was like, okay, now, Tanner, on this day, is it the mage, or is it Pokemon? Or, or is it the Power Rangers now? Has that started yet? <laughs> yeah, I try with Dad, but he's too much of a jock. <laughs> <laughs> Though he did manage to get himself onto his school's reach for the top team. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> By not very honorable ways. Anyway, Reach for the Top was like this quiz show for kids. <laughs> okay, for high school students. Your father scammed his way onto Teen Jeopardy? <laughs> he... <laughs> Dad went... <laughs> okay. Dad was along for the ride. It was actually this other guy named... Uh, what was his name? Bert? Bert Ullman, who Dad has described as either like being a family man who worked on the rigs for a while, being the kingpin of Winnipeg, or over in Stony Mountain right now. 
<laughs> Doing 8 to 10 for fraud. <laughs> Good job. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like someone else should have gotten into trouble for fraud, Don. <laughs> Don't worry, that team was disqualified so quickly. <laughs> so, Lindsay. Do you have anything else you think we could add to Small Soldiers 2 Back in the Plastic? <laughs> back in the Plastic. Oh, God. Um, I distinctly remember a scene in the original movie where you had, like, the the toy soldiers rolling up and their improvised, like, RC cars and all that, and they got that song playing War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely Nothing. I don't know what the actual song is called, but I... It was, yeah. 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 I We need to recreate that one. Yes, we need it. It has a decent, or I don't know about decent soundtrack, but those are two good songs. Yeah. We definitely need a song with war, and we definitely need a song that recreates the spirit of them playing Spice Girls. Yes. Over the... See, I I don't think war... Did they play war in the movie, or was it like... Was it diegetic or was it non-diegetic, is what I'm trying to ask. Diegetic is like it's in the... It's, in it's the like world. you hear the song because within the movie the song is playing. Yeah, I think it's diegetic. Okay. So then there should be... I've. It might be weird if they did the diegetic war again, but they definitely should have a scene set to war, what is it good for? Yeah. And then they also need to recreate the experience of them trying to do psychological warfare by blasting Spice Girls. But I feel like they should replace Spice Girls with something else. Yeah. Fifth Harmony is too on the nose, and they have a different sound. I think the best idea would be to play Call Me Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because Call Me Maybe has that sort of same reaction that you get from, like, uh, Tell Me What I Want. Oh, fuck. I can't remember song names now. Uh, if You Want to Be My Lover. Yeah, If You Want to Be My Lover. Yeah. Actually, I think... I think it's bra- uh, bracket if you wanna bracket be my or, no hang on it's it's <laughs> I should know this be because I listened to that song on repeat when I was five me too oh no it's just called wannabe okay wannabe there <laughs> overcomplicating Spice Girls title tracks yes because I half remember it from when I was five um and there is I just also just I I distinctly remember many scenes from the movie but specifically. When they start playing that, one of the moms turns to her husband and she's like, Phil, I love this song! Because she, they knocked her out with sleeping pills earlier, the Commando Elite did, yeah. so she's a little out of it when she wakes up. Um, but there does need to be a scene where the teens are like stuck in the gymnasium or whatever, and in order to flush them out or like drive them mad, the Commando Elite start playing Call Me Maybe over the intercom. Yes! And like, like a teenage girl... And the token gay guy, they like, they both say, oh my god, I love this song. <laughs> just do that. And a friendship is born that day. Yes. And, and just so we have it in here, clearly one of the teens is going to be our bicon of the week. Yes. Um, I, think, I think we did it. Yeah. Great. Now we have to make sure no one in power hears this episode so that I can write the pitch and send it to IDW. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they, if they ask nicely, they definitely have the capital to buy the rights to make a Small Soldiers comic. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if Amblin would be okay with it. I wonder if there's a website that you can use to track what company owns the rights to certain IPs. Yeah, that, 
And if there isn't, someone should build that. Yeah. I mean, you c- I'm sure you could find it if you hunt the paper trail long enough, but I don't have the skills or the energy to do so. Mm-hmm. Catch, catch me, like, rifling through documents at the Library of Congress trying to figure out who owns the rights to small soldiers. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, hey, Lindsay. Where can people find you on the internet? I'm at lindsaym476, and you can get to all of my social media bullshits from there on Twitter. Tanner, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. You can also find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can find this podcast, this very podcast, on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod, which is the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and it is pronounced Nyarif! And you can also find this podcast on Instagram at Not If I Reboot You First. The hashtag is Nyarif, N-I-I-R-Y-F. Indeed. It's the same, the, the, the letters on the Instagram are the same letters on the Twitter. Yeah. If our if our loud noises are confusing you, <laughs> and then finally, finally you can email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail dot com. You can send in your comments, your critiques, your questions, your suggestions for other reboots, or you can contact us through any of those means. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love ha- to have guests on, and we're going to be having a guest on for our next episode. So, no hints for next time because I don't know what he's gonna do. Okay. Oh, and I think we've only mentioned it, like, once, but hey, rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, that's really important. But also, just, like, rate and review us for our sakes? Yeah. For us? For your friends? <laughs> and then we will we will read the the review on the podcast, even if you're telling us that we're right young bastards. Yeah, your uh, negative critiques give us life. Yes. Without a hint to give, I I was thinking about asking him to send us a hint on what he's going to do, but I didn't think about that until 4.30 this morning, and I knew for a fact he wouldn't be replying until after we record this. Yeah. So next time. (laughs) Next time, it'll be a surprise. Yes. The real surprise. Um, So in that case, we'll, we'll see you all later. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Let's get back on topic. Yes. Fuck me, we're half an hour into this. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this, Tanner. It's good. No, listen, the more irrelevant tangents that a podcast has, the more powerful it becomes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it takes a solid half hour into My Favorite Murder to get to the murders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>